1: Sports Talk Mississippi, ah. on your radio and in the game, right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Ah. Welcome in on a Friday, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming live at supertalk.fm. I'm Michael Borke. he's Brian Scott Rippey with you for the next hour. We will then be joined by Richard Cross, who's currently calling basketball in a nice coastal location, even though the weather's not that great in Charleston, I don't believe. But uh, he's still off calling basketball. He'll join us in the 4 o'clock hour, as will Brian Haydad, who is uh, currently watching the Mississippi State-Villanova game. It was close there for a while. Villanova went on a 16 to nothing run, uh, created some separation. That game is uh, down the stretch right now. Mississippi State is behind by 7. Uh, the last time I checked. Uh, Now it's a five-point game with seven minutes to go. That's on ESPN, too, if you want to watch it. But right now, we're going to get started with our buddy, Bruce Marshall. And, Bruce, I wanted to to ask you something. Bruce Marshall of the Gold Sheet. Uh, On weekends like this, we've spent all week talking about the slate in the SEC being uh, lackluster. Uh, So when you're handicapping games like this, what's your approach to... Alabama, Western Carolina.
3: You know, I kind of stay away from those. Um, you know, and, and I, I really think that it's, it's tough late in the season for power teams to to get ready to play uh, these. First non conference games, especially when there, there's FCS teams coming in here. You know, Nick didn't cover uh, last year. The Citadel came in here and was giving them some trouble, and they didn't cover that game. And He's had a few in recent years where you, you just can't get the team prepared to play. You got the Iron Bowl on deck, and there's no reason to risk things. Uh, you know, I, and I and I wonder too. You know about even how much they want to risk Mac uh, Jones here. I mean, I mean, I don't know that he'll go the whole way. I know that he, he's had some work already this year. The last thing Nick Leeds needs is for him to get hurt. And um, there's uh, you know there's a, there's we've seen what he can do. He's fine. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for Alabama to gear it down this week. And, and a lot of teams in this sort of situation, it is it is not a good deal. And I, by the way, that, this is in Atlanta last year, uh, so 2018 this summer, at SEC Media Days. Saban talked about this scheduling stuff, and he didn't like it. I mean, he, he didn't like the fact that they're, they're playing these games. He said, we're making people pay to play these games. I know ESPN would like us to – Schedule, you know, schedule up a little bit in some of these games. It's just not good for anybody except Western Carolina getting a paycheck in there, so maybe it's worthwhile for that. But it's a tough game to handicap, though. Bruce, did you
2: see the, uh, the Jimbo Fisher press conference earlier where he said the SEC is talking about a new scheduling model to where uh, they would basically separate them into pods of four so you'd play the other three teams in your pod every year and then the the other 5 games would be on a full rotation. Now that's just an idea but Jimbo said they're talking about it. I mean that's a pretty cool idea, isn't it?
3: Well, I think it is and I think, you know, and it's they've got an odd number of teams in the league so I'm not sure they could work it. I would think just play in your division and then play a three from the other half that gets you to nine. I mean, listen, the Big 12's got nine, the Big 10's got nine, the Pac-12 plays nine. Why is the SEC sticking with eight? The crossover thing is a little bit of a problem. One, um, it's not all that fair, I think. Uh, two, um, it's it's too hit and miss. I mean, you know, Alabama gets to play in Gainesville what once every 12, 14 years. Same thing at Athens. That's just not. They're in the same conference. They should be a little bit more. They should be, you should be there a little bit more often. I know you can't play everybody every year, but uh, I would say, expand, if you can, get up to nine. First of all, go to nine conference games, um, and second, uh, you got to somehow get the rotated in there. Maybe, maybe that pot idea is decent. I think something's going to happen. I know ESPN's pushing it. They, they don't like all these with the SEC network. They would rather not have to try to sell these games against the FCS teams, which every SEC team seems to have.
2: Bruce Marshall of the Gold Sheet joining us right now on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Let's dive into some games here, but first, Bruce, tell uh, the people where they can get your work and your picks.
3: Yeah, check us out online at goldsheet.com. We have got the new basketball issue up right now. It's every Thursday. It'll be Wednesday next week before Thanksgiving, but football comes out every Monday, and, of course, that means we've got all these big games this weekend coming up, college football and NFL. We covered all in there at the Gold Sheet NFL Phone service picks doing pretty good this year on a 4730 run. Goldsheet.com, my picks there, also Vegas Insider and DonBest.com.
2: Game of the weekend. Ohio State, Penn State, in Columbus, 11 a.m. kick, massive line in this game. 18.5 points is what I'm looking at. What do you see here?
3: Yeah, it's big, and 18.5, uh, 19, and it's been hanging there all week. Um, you know, unless Ohio State is like, Nineteen ninety-five Nebraska. I know seventy-one Nebraska had a it was two, but they had they had a close game there against Oklahoma at the end. Great game. Uh, ninety-five Nebraska was just killing everybody. So unless Ohio State's like that, they're going to have some a couple of games down the stretch here. It's getting now Penn State, Michigan, Big Ten title game, and then probably the Final Four. Um, maybe they're just going to keep rolling. But I think they're going to have to answer in the in the second half in some of these games when things might not be working right. I know they took control of that game with Wisconsin last month in the second half and ended up uh, burying the Badgers. That was impressive. So was the win over Cincinnati early. But I want to see when the collar tightens on this team. They really got some nervousness in the second half. How do they react? We just don't know. And Ryan Day, for all he's doing here, uh, listen, they've been standing on the accelerator, running up these scores every week against teams that can't do anything about it. it, This is a classic bully syndrome. I mean, football, whatever, all walks of life. You see it, and you finally meet somebody who can stand up to you. Well, how do you react? um so how's penn state is can penn state stand up to them i think so the thing that worries me last year penn state went into michigan and got uh hammered 42-7 but other than that in recent years they've been close this has been a close series the last three games decided by five points total uh, james franklin six and one as a dog clifford has only really had one game subpar game <clears throat> quarterback as that minnesota game a couple weeks ago I think they're not going to get killed here. I don't think Penn State's going to win, but uh, we had a 35-26 Buckeyes. Uh, We'll take Penn State plus all those points. Sure, why not?
2: How much does a guy like Chase Young, uh, now he's back in the lineup, but how much does a guy like him, a defensive end, impact uh, how you look at a game like this?
3: Well, I mean, he is exceptional, and he's allowed to be showcased there, I think, because he's got other – Guys on that defense were really good, too. And you can't just focus on shutting Chase Young down. you got all these other guys who could hurt you as well. So it's it's a, it's a challenge to go up against these guys. And he certainly makes a difference, and now he's back in there. Um, and they didn't seem to miss him too much. Although, hey, they didn't cover the points but at Rutgers last week, so what do you know? Um, but, no, he's a difference maker. It's just he's, he's surrounded by so many good players on that defense. But again, I mean, they've been, they've been rolling up against teams they totally outclass. I don't know if they outclass these guys that much, and we'll see how effective he's going to be against a team that can maybe stand up to him this week.
2: Elsewhere in the SEC, Texas A&M, uh, a two-touchdown or 13-point underdog in Athens, Georgia, um, I guess not playing for a position in the college football playoff because it's going to come down to the SEC championship, but still very important football on the line for Georgia right now.
3: Well, for Georgia, it is effectively an eight-team playoff for them. And the SEC championship game will be a quarterfinal game for them, which it really was last year. Guys like Kirk Herbstreet couldn't understand that, but, I mean, it really was. You win that, you're in. I mean, that's just the way it works uh, for them and the situation there. And had they not lost to South Carolina, they might have had some wiggle room, but they don't. Um, what are they going to do tomorrow? You know, Jimbo comes in. Listen, I, t- I do shows down in Texas, too, and those Aggie X's down there are starting to get – a little antsy, and I told him, "You, Jimbo, a little breathing room. Look at this schedule Jimbo's got this year, and look at the the latest bowl poll rankings on Tuesday night. The uh, five top five teams there, four of them are on a And M schedule, and then you got Auburn down there just a little bit further. Now Auburn's played a really tough schedule too, but the point being is, uh, there's some teams up there that haven't played near the schedule a And M has played, and those Pac-12 teams. I'm looking at those two in particular." You know, they'd they be sitting here with three losses, too, if they were playing a and M schedule. Doesn't get easier here. Georgia's defense is top-notch. It'll let Georgia win the game. I don't know that this Georgia offense is reliable enough because it has blown a little bit hot and cold to extend that margin beyond two TDs. I think Kellen Mond can do just enough, and Jimbo's defense is formidable. They're tough to run on, and I think Georgia's going to have trouble scoring enough to handle this spread. They'll win, maybe not by enough. 24-14 Georgia, our score forecast.
2: So we've got uh, Ohio State not covering, Georgia also not covering. The other game in SEC country that is of actual consequence, Tennessee at Missouri. Tigers have been better at home than they've been on the road, but really struggling as of late. Tennessee, the exact opposite Still a three-and-a-half-point dog in Columbia.
3: Yeah, I mean, well, Missouri hasn't been good anywhere the last month, and part of it has to do with Kelly Bryant. He missed some action. He came back last week. He wasn't 100%. We still don't know if he's going to play tomorrow, but that's the reality right now. Their quarterback play is, is spotty, and I don't know of a team other than the Washington Redskins that has scored less than Missouri the last month. I mean, what, are they sitting 27 points the last... Uh, four games. I mean, that's that's bad, and I don't know that they're that Bryant's going to be able to help them much in this game. I I was one of Jeremy Pruitt's biggest critics, and I, I could stand in line for that uh, up until about a month ago, but I'll, darn it, they've turned it around. They're playing pretty well. This defense is really playing good. They're allowing under 14 per game in the last four. Uh, they're going to get bowl eligible. if They can win one of these last two, and they'll beat Vandy next week, I think, and I think they'll take care of business here. They're hot. Missouri is not. It has really fallen apart badly for the Tigers. I don't see them pulling out of it. I don't know why they're favored here. 20-13 to 13, Tennessee. They win this thing outright tomorrow at Faroe Field.
2: He's Bruce A. Marshall on Twitter with the gold sheet. You can follow him there and get all of his picks on the website. Bruce, thanks so much for your time this week and we'll talk to you again uh, this time next week. Very good. Enjoy the games. Thank you. Old Miss named an athletic director today. We will break all of that down next at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio still a seven point game in conway south carolina mississippi state is playing villanova the number 17 ranked villanova wildcats reggie perry's got 18 points and eight boards on his way to a double double himself woodard's got 17 tyson carter's got 17 but uh, villanova running away with this one just two minutes left in the game and Mississippi State is down by 7. Hey, that will join us here in a little while to recap that game and then also join us for the rest of the show. We've got a bunch of college football stuff to get to. I mentioned that Jimbo Fisher scheduling model thing. It's a really interesting concept. We'll get to that coming up a little bit later. But first, the news of the day, at least here in Mississippi, was that Ole Miss has removed the interim tag from Keith Carter. News broke about 8 o'clock this morning, although it was – a vague tweet that didn't actually break the news. You knew what it was, that Keith Carter was getting named the athletic director at Ole Miss. A press conference was scheduled for 1 o'clock, and in very fitting fashion, the press conference couldn't start when it was scheduled to because the new chancellor, Glenn Boyce's, airplane was late, and they had to delay it and start the press conference later on. Rippy, you were there. Uh, Before we get into reaction, just what did you hear? What did you see at the press conference today? Besides the chancellor being late.
4: Well, first and foremost, I saw Glenn Boyce.
2: He's a real guy.
4: He was. Uh, aside from that, I mean, really nothing earth-shattering at the press conference. They outlined kind of what they, I guess, wanted in a candidate and then who they, I mean, kind of how the interview process went and then how they settled on Keith. Um, but, you know, kind of is what it is. They said they didn't really hesitate much as far as uh, – like looking at the reaction to Chancellor Boyce being hired for, and then promoting from within again, but um, I don't know. I think Keith's qualified. I think he'll do a good job, but I, I do think that the optics of it are unfortunate in some ways just because of past hires that are really not in his control at all.
2: Right. It, the optics of it, they're, they're terrible, and it's not at all fair to Keith Carter because in a vacuum, this hire in a vacuum would have been well-received. And it is still not as poorly received as Matt Luke was initially outside of Oxford. And Glenn Boyce was almost universally disliked with the exception of a very small fringe group. Those two hires were divisive at best. This in a vacuum would not have been that way. The only reason you're seeing such, I guess we can call it vitriol. My text messages tell me that there are people that are very, very mad about this. The only reason that that reaction is happening today because of this hire is because of the two previous hires, not because of Keith Carter's ability to be an athletic director, his qualifications, and how well he's going to be able to do the job. Right?
4: Yeah, but basically the way I described it on the podcast, if you took Glenn Boyce, Matt Luke, and Keith Carter, who would be the most likely to have the same job at another major institution if you want to qualify it as another a job at another SEC school. It's Keith Carter by far and away, probably not even really close. I mean, he was a guy seen as a smart guy, kind of on the rise in college athletics. I think he would have ended up with another AD job somewhere else eventually down the road if he didn't get this one. And so I I think that's probably the best way to sum it up. I do think he's qualified. I do think he'll do a good job. But again, it's just somehow – somehow he's going to have to shed the optics of another national search ending down the hallway.
2: And there's, I mean, there's your problem. There's the problem. There's why there were expletives in my text messages today. That's why uh, people were, were mad. Because it, the, the PR aspect of this hire in particular's not been handled well. Because it's like they recycle the same phrases from the previous one.
4: Oh, Glenn Boyce said process when answering one question about it like seven times.
2: Yet again. So when Hugh Freeze resigned in shame, Ole Miss had a real opportunity to kind of do a hard reset and they failed to do so. They conducted a national search and that's the phrase that everybody uses now is national search that ended with the person down the hall and it was Obviously not very well received, Ole Miss has had its lowest season ticket sales in almost two decades. And then Jeffrey Vitter resigns, which was a great thing for that school. They have a real chance to bring in a dynamic personality, all this stuff, qualified candidates out there, and it ends the way it did. And they used the phrase national search and process and right all the all that crap that you heard And they just recycled it again today. And regardless of who it is, you have people that are sick of hearing that phrase right there. Because we've been hearing for almost the entire time that, yeah, there's a really good chance that they promote Keith Carter. Which, as you mentioned, as I mentioned, as Richard will, when he comes back, has a real chance of doing a really good job. So, why did you even, why, why go through all of this again and try to build this idea of national search? And for the third time in a third major hire, our national search ended down the hall. Why do that? If you know this is who you want, do it months ago. Because you knew how this was going to be received today, right?
4: Yeah, I'm not sure they care, though.
2: And maybe that's it. And maybe they shouldn't care, because if that's the guy you want, then, you know, so what? Because now he's in the position to do his job. I, it just it baffles me that they, they sat there again and talked national search.
4: Yeah, but I mean, what else are you going to do at that point? Like I, I agree with what you're saying, and I'm not disagreeing. Not really go through with the it, charade. Well, really,
2: it, it's what you can do is not do it the first two times. That's what you can do.
4: Yeah, exactly. So this is like wildly unfair to Keith Carter. It's, which it's, is like it's unfortunate. And like, but if he if he does a good job and he continues to kind of do what he's been doing, it, none of it will end up, end up mattering. I don't think. But like having him taking a job that I think he is qualified for, and clearly one he wanted very badly, and to be saddled with trying to shed the bad optics of it is not really fair at all. Not at all,
2: because it, it, it
4: they were they were they stemmed from things that he had nothing to do with. Nothing at I all. I mean, he, he helped lead the Kermit Davis search. Like he he has a pretty decent track record. Yeah, that's so like,
2: that's the thing, and that's what's kind of getting lost in this is Kermit Davis is the most popular guy on that campus, right? Yeah. That's because of your new athletic director. And during the interim time, I mean, uh, there was an issue in the Lyceum about the alcohol sales. That still got pushed through. uh, You had a a baseball contract thing that I think was handled appropriately. I mean, there are a, a lot of checks in the positive column so far and they are kind of getting overshadowed and not one second of it or 1 inch of it is his fault. It's a weird dynamic.
4: It is a weird dynamic. It's like the hires that were made that had that he didn't have a hand in kind of inadvertently set up a awkward scenario I guess for him once he got promoted.
2: What do you think about this? Text the show, 601-879-4395. Let me try that again. 601-879-4395. That's a ceasefire text line. What do you think about uh, Ole Miss promoting uh, Keith Carter to permanent athletic director? So, uh, yeah, well, Let's put that aside, because at this point, it doesn't matter, right? Because Matt Luke's the football coach, Glenn Boyce is the chancellor, now Keith Carter is the athletic director we can talk about processes until we're blue in the face, but as you mentioned, uh, as I said, and a growing sentiment, at least around Old Miss people, is that, hey, look, the, the hiring culture is problematic. However, this has a really good chance of being a good thing. So what does... What's his biggest challenge right away, aside from overcoming optics? What's the What's the first challenge that Key Carter has as athletic director?
4: Future of the football program. I know it's not immediate, but like it could still be your first major challenge. You know, twelve months in, I think. And because everything else is fairly stable, right? I mean, as much as people are upset with baseball, he didn't roll Mike Bianco's contract over, but they've got another top recruiting class coming in. You know. Should be okay to good this year, and then kind of in that cycle again where they that 2017 class was really good at 18, really good at 19, type of thing. Basketball is pretty good. Um, I guess he does have this softball uh, external audit going on right now. I guess if you're qualifying that, that's probably the first immediate thing.
2: And I mean, it's to be expected, it's not news at all, and it was the right thing to do. But Matt Luke did get the vote of confidence today from his new but not new boss.
4: Yeah, I mean, I just think financially, at least this year, it's not really much of a choice.
2: There's not really a choice football-wise, though, is there?
4: That's my point.
2: Yeah, I mean, either no matter how you spin it, it, it would not make sense either way,
4: would it? No, pe- people don't like to hear that, but yes, that is correct.
2: We'll continue on this next. It's uh, big news in the state. Talk about the future of Ole Miss under Keith Carter, and... Uh, the things that he needs to do next as leader of Ole Miss athletics. You actually join us today at five o'clock as well. Big day on sports talk, Mississippi stick around. Hard fought, hard fought game from Mississippi state that, uh, they just came up short. In. they, uh, lost 83 to 76 to Villanova, uh, just outside of Myrtle beach there at coastal Carolina. Um, We'll get hate out on in a little bit, talk about that game. There was a 16-0 Villanova run mixed into that game, so State held their own, just could not seal the deal against a, a really good Villanova team, and uh, we'll be breaking that down here in a little bit. Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey with you. Richard will join us in a little bit. Right now, we're talking old, old Mrs. new athletic director, Keith Carter, and uh, a few texts from you, and if you want to do the same, you can. 601 879 95 601 Eight seven nine forty three ninety five. That's the C Spire text line. Be a part of, part of the show today and give us your thoughts on whatever we're talking about throughout the day. Save that number in your phone; it uh, it'll never change. Uh, one from the six six two says, "Good move. He was good at raising money." A different six six two says, "The biggest challenge he faces is dealing with media that likes to try and create drama." Because that's what we're doing here. Roger says uh, Bianco is is popular, and uh, that's hard to disagree with. Didn't they break a season ticket sale record last year?
4: Yeah, uh, I don't agree with that first part. I don't understand what he. Talk- no, no one in media creates controversy.
2: I mean, especially around here. But uh, that's me- what
4: thin-skinned leaders blame stuff on, and I'm not saying anyone at Ole Miss did that. But like you see with the Bears and Matt Nagy and, and all of that, like yeah, the media is never actually the problem.
2: I mean. You were at the press conference today. Was negativity or media mentioned one
4: time? I mean, not really. People. There were a couple of questions asked about like the negativity surrounding the football program, and how they rectify that. But like other than that, no.
2: Joseph in Hattiesburg has a different opinion. He says it's like they think we're stupid with how they communicate it to us.
4: He's got a point there.
2: Mike says he's not a fan of the national search language, but he imagines it's just to. Uh, I guess not skirt some legality but to conform to some legal issues he said he's a faculty member and we have to post jobs nationally even if we know we are hiring within from the 228 I like it congrats to Keith Carter I don't think it's fair to any of the people that have been hired from within to I'm sorry I'm not trying to, I don't know what you're trying to say here, but just let the man have a chance to do his job and stop assuming he's going to do bad just because he's from within. If it doesn't work, hire another person. Yeah, and I think Billy uh, is probably talking to the same people that we were talking to.
4: Yeah, no, I'm with him on that. Yeah.
2: And ultimately, he's going to get that chance. And I talked to a good bit of people today. I have very few friends, but the ones that I do have, anytime anything happens uh, to Ole Miss, they all want to yell at me about it. Um, And everybody today was, it, it was all the same sentiment. It was, Keith is qualified. He'll probably do a good job. I just hate the national search process. That was the general sentiment from everybody I talked to today. He's qualified for it. I mean, he's been doing it for a few months anyway. Helped get Kermit Davis on campus. Help get the alcohol thing through, which was the right decision. I mean, this one has a really good chance of working out. But I get and understand the angst. It, I, I completely understand. And I have a feeling a lot of people up there understand as well. Michael in Poplarville says, like most colleges, once they get your school payments and take your season ticket money, the school leadership does not care about the common students, fans, or alumni feelings on mascots or hiring and firing, etc. We are not going down the mascot road today. I (laughs) promise you that. Mike in Grand Bay says, so you've never seen CNN? I was talking, Mike, specifically about Sports media in our state. We're uh, um, that's not really what we do here. From the six hundred one, think this was a good hire. Having a committee chair saying this was who the committee wanted makes this different from the six hundred one. The media never stirs the pot or creates controversy. Question mark. Question mark. Yet again, not us. It's not really what we do. Uh, That that will not pay the bills here. We don't win on clicks. It's not what we sell. I'm on a you radio know it show. It's
4: created controversy here. I think the school has done a good enough job of creating that itself.
2: Matt and Tupelo says I can't take it seriously unless he shows up to press conferences in basketball shorts with socks up to his knees. Mike in Grand Bay has a question: Since when is local or inside not part of the
4: nation? That thing flying over your head is the point.
2: (laughs) Uh, And then our friend Rebistado on Twitter says, this hire is nothing like the others. We had uh, the committee chair saying this is their guy. This is nothing like the chancellor hire, nothing like the football hire. This has been transparent, which the chancellor search would not have gone or would have gone like this hire.
4: Sure, but it's going to get compared to the two because of the end result.
2: Charlie thinks he will do a good job from the 662 all the naysayers would be on board if he fired Matt Luke next Friday that's how stupid most of the fan base is ooh pulling no punches
4: not an option really
2: not an option at all and it, we can circle back to this why not um, we both said it shouldn't be why shouldn't it be
4: i don't know if it's a matter of should or should it i don't think it like really financially is feasible at this point
2: Let's pretend it was. It's still not a decision you make, right?
4: Oh, that's a different conversation, don't you think? Like, well, yeah, that's why I'm bringing it up. I mean, I guess financial aside, I, I are you saying that you think it's still ill-advised if finances weren't an issue?
2: Still think it would be ill-advised, yeah.
4: Um, I tend to lean that way as well, but I would actually like I would understand the other side of it. The thing is, though. Like If Dave Dorn was head coach or whoever else you want to stick in there, from 2017 to 2019, nobody's really winning at a much higher clip, uh, given everything the program's endured. This was the first year that was kind of a clean slate. I think Luke deserves credit for kind of replenishing the roster that was really devoid of talent. It still has a ways to go, but I think he's done a nice job with that. Uh, I guess the argument for him getting twenty twenty is to continue to see out kind of the foundation he's laid. I mean, look at their offensive numbers and the amount of touchdowns and all that, all those stats accounted for by freshmen. Um, You know, next year finally seems like the year where there's really, there's really no excuse, right? These kids aren't freshmen anymore. There's no bull band. You've been back at the full 85 for over a year. Like, it's kind of results time so sure i i tend to agree with that line of thinking yeah but new ad that wants to get their own guy in there again this is all hypothetical if the, it was financially feasible i would understand that side of it as well
2: well said and uh, we'll see where it goes um either way um polarizing if nothing else i, I mean we have just repeatedly gotten some pretty good content from uh from the program you cover, Rippy.
4: You are correct. Never boring, I don't guess.
2: That uh, That is for sure. Is there anything else we're missing with this? All right, all right, let's put yourself in his shoes for a minute. Because when you're the interim, even though he did some things, I mean, the alcohol sales being one, as the interim, it's not like he just sat in his office and did nothing. I mean, he was still acting as AD. It's a little bit different now that you're given the reins to... Conduct long-term plans. When you sit down in your office on Monday and you're Keith Carter, what's the first thing you do?
4: Mm. Put up a dope picture on Snapchat.
2: <laughs> do people still I, use Snapchat?
4: I, that's all my younger brothers friends communicate by. I like very first thing. I don't know. I mean, everything else seems to be pretty stable. Other, you've got the softball audit going on and Mike Smith being on administrative leave. But like when you look around, what else is unstable? Like I, there would certainly be work to be done in the ever going kind of facilities arms race, whether it's Vaught Hemingway or the practice facility and all of that. But like what else is immediately pressing? Everything else is, like, they got a new basketball arena, you know, basketball stable, baseball stable, you know, to so what you're saying is
2: it's not as bad as people want to say it is.
4: No, and I'll even go – I wasn't going to stop there because I know managing an athletic department is not just about football, basketball, and baseball. as important those sports are financially, but like everything else seems pretty stable as well, um, unless I'm missing something. So, it, yeah, I mean, it, everything else seems very stable. I mean, the big um, – I guess looming issue is eventually what kind of the direction they go in as far as the football program. But again, that's not something that's likely going to be decided, you know. I say within the first twelve months. I guess you could well actually mean say nine if you know the beginning part of next year goes south. I don't know, but you kind of get my point.
2: Kevin in Smithville on the text line basically summed up what we've been talking about for twenty minutes in in one text perfectly. He said, "I like the hire." The national search thing just gets old and seems fiscally irresponsible when you're hiring with it. You want to be a part of the show, you can. 601-879-4395. We'll wrap up this conversation next and then turn on to other more important things this afternoon in Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Back in on Sports Talk Mississippi, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippy with you on this Friday afternoon. In case you missed any of this conversation, uh, you can catch it on the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast. Wherever you get them, you can find this there. We've got high school football updates coming up. We're going to talk hoops, get a Mississippi State recap, uh, take a look at Ole Miss and Memphis coming up tomorrow, a game that features an undefeated SEC team on the road at a top 25 team, and you cannot watch it on terrestrial television in the year 2019 doesn't make any sense, but we will preview that game if you can watch it on your live stream because that's the only way you can see it. We'll also do picks. We'll talk to Keith Carter. Uh, He's coming up on the show in the 5 o'clock hour at 5.06 as scheduled. Uh, Keith Carter is going to join us on the show on his big day. He gets uh, the promotion to permanent athletic director at Ole Miss. And uh, Before the break, we mentioned, and this is something that I've been thinking about for a while, it's like the first thing to do on the job. Because you don't make any moves in football right now. As Rippy mentioned a few times, the rest of the athletic department's relatively stable. You've got this thing with softball going on, but uh, the basketball program's in great shape. Baseball program's in great shape. The women's basketball program is doing very well. The golf team's doing well. Tennis teams are doing well. Soccer's in good shape. Volleyball had the best start of SEC play in program history. I don't know how they've closed out, but the athletic department as a whole is in pretty good shape. There's not some major pressing issue that has to take priority one and it's a massive deal. What I would do, and of course nobody's going to ask me that, but I think because you can't afford like a sweeping renovation to your football stadium, even though the best thing for that place would be to blow it up and start all over again, would be a campaign in comfort, ripping up all the metal bleachers except for in the student section and putting chair back seats, things like that. Because even though, as I mentioned, I think two segments ago uh, that Ole Miss had the worst attendance numbers it's had in two decades, that is not just because people are dissatisfied with the product on the field. That is a growing trend in all of sports. And what you have to do to get people to come back is make them as comfortable as, as humanly possible and incentivize them going to games beyond just the product on the field. So little things like adding chair back seats, which would actually Decrease the capacity a little bit, which is what everybody needs to do, and things like that. That would be the first project I take on is, I guess you can call it a renovation, but changing the face of your football stadium to make it more comfortable for your fans that come.
4: Well, I guess I was—I didn't answer this very well the first time you asked, but I guess it is just regenerating interest in football in general. That being one of the things, right? I mean, you got to get season ticket sales up. Yeah, yes, Can you do. Can you do that without, you know, like you said, stripping it down, changing coaches, all that? I don't—I don't know the answer to that, but that—that that would be the first order of business to try, would it not?
2: Yeah, and that's why I think this this Egg Bowl's so important for both sides. We can bring Mississippi State into this. I mean, they're facing similar issues. I don't know if you saw screenshots from the Alabama game, Riffy, but a top-ranked Alabama team came to Starkville and there were visible empty seats, a lot of them. So they're facing a similar issue with maybe not so much apathy, but disappointment with how the first two years of their new coach have gone. And people aren't, showing up as much. And you've got to go into the offseason with something to sell. Give people a reason to come back to your games next year. And I think for Ole Miss in particular, because their situation's a little bit more dire is not the word. That's too extreme, but you get my point. Their situation's a little bit more dire. They could take an Egg Bowl win with a true freshman quarterback and a true freshman running back and go sell that. And people can and will be compelled to buy that, because as we talked about yesterday, the win, the score differential is real. The football team you can see with your eyes is getting better. Now it hasn't translated to meaningful wins, but you can see it. Winning that game would give you something that you can touch and that you can sell. And they desperately need that right now.
4: I agree. You, I guess you should dub 2020 the year of results.
2: From the six six two at a top and an air conditioning to the baseball or to the football stadium, we can dream.
4: Um, Your program automatically gets cooler if you have a dome, right? Like any time you have, say some team has to come play in blank dome, like yeah, they got to go to the dome next goes week. Goes up automatically.
2: It's always weird when you play in the dome. Um, they could do something like Hard Rock, though. I mean, they they can't dome it. And they shouldn't dome it, but you can certainly do awnings and all that kind of stuff. But that would be my is, first thing.
4: Is that feasible? Like, why or no? I, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. I'm legitimately asking if that's feasible. Why are a, a lot of athletic programs not doing retractable roofs with new stadiums? I don't. That's a good question. Maybe they yeah, should. Yeah, I don't. I genuinely don't know the answer.
2: I believe Arizona State is in the process of raising the funds to do one. Interesting. Richard will join us next, as will Brian Haydad, and we'll do uh, a lot more of this and hoops and high school football, a ton to get to for the last two hours. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio.
5: Hey, hey, a little return of Jimmy Buffett on a Friday. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online with you at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Hey Dad's been doing some Mississippi State basketball stuff for the last hour. I just finished up with a game in uh, Charleston. Thanks to Rippy and Borky for, or maybe I should say Borky and Rippey, whatever the order, uh, holding down the fort in the first hour of the show. We're glad to have you along. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, MSLandBank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been doing just that, financing and refinancing land for farmers and for individuals looking to build a home in the country or buy recreational property for over 100 years. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. C Spire text line, open to you, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. On a day that, uh, or a weekend, where there's not, as much build-up or interest in the uh, the football that's happening outside of Southern Miss's game with uh, Western Kentucky this weekend. Obviously, the biggest story of the day, Keith Carter being announced as athletics director at Ole Miss. I know Borky and Rippy talked a good bit about that in the first hour. Keith will join us coming up uh, in the five o'clock hour, just after five o'clock today, and we'll talk to him about uh, his new role. No longer the interim tag, he is officially the athletics director at Ole Miss. A bunch of other things to get to with you this afternoon. We're going to talk some college football. We're going to talk some college basketball. Let's start with Mississippi State, who played Villanova earlier this afternoon. Hey, Dad, ended, ended up being in the second half with, what, six minutes to play? Pretty close ball game. And uh, what'd you think today?
1: I was very impressed, to be totally honest. I uh, State was in the game the whole time. The 16-0 run uh, in the middle of the first half is what put the game away for, for Villanova. State was never able to get the lead back. They, they cut it to one. They they played well. The effort was good. This was a game I thought that they really missed Nick Fitzgerald more than Nick Fitzgerald. Nick Weatherspoon uh, more than anything else. State will miss Nick Fitzgerald uh, on next Thursday. That'll be when that happens. Uh, but that said, they only got two points out of a do, and that was late in the, in the game. He fouled out. Only had two rebounds. I mean, you got to get more out of him. Prince Aduro, Keyshawn Fazell off the bench, no points from from any, either one of them. Didn't have much bench contribution today. But that said, seventy six points. Perry with eighteen and ten. That's four straight games with a double double for somebody for Mississippi State. Woodard with seventeen and eight. Uh, Tyson Carter had twenty two points. Most games state plays the rest of the year. That's going to be enough to win. Uh, but Villanova is a very good team. You could see them. You could see from watching them, they'll be a team. And Jay Wright, they're they're going to be there in March when it's, when it all is sure. said and done. But I was impressed hey, with State's effort today, and I, I think it was a pot. You take positives away from this game.
5: Only seven turnovers in the game, and this is a day after they had twenty five turnovers in a win. Dramatic turnaround, and I know a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned. The play of Reggie Perry. The play of. Robert Woodard, the play of Tyson Carter, you know, those three things, certainly big factors in Mississippi State being in the game. But the fact that they only turned it over seven times, that gives you a chance.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you look at the numbers of this game, it's sort of confusing how State stayed in it, to be totally honest with you. Uh, Villanova shot 59% from the – the floor, State only shot 42%. Uh, and State wasn't particularly good from behind the arc. wasn't a huge rebounding differential, but it was in the positive for Villanova. But the turnovers, like you said, State just didn't waste a whole lot of possessions. Uh, they valued the basketball, I believe is the term that people like to use. And then they were able to get the ball to their best playmakers. Again, you know, if they just had a little bit more offense off the bench or just a little bit more – or if, like I said, if Nick Weatherspoon had been available today, because not only would he have uh, – added some points, but he would have been the guy guarding uh, Gillespie for, for Villanova who really killed State in the first half and was was constantly able to to do some things. Nick Weatherman's the guy who could shut that down a little bit or at least limit it. So, yeah, there's a ton of positives today. And like you said, the turnovers going from 25 to 7 in the span of 24 hours, that's a good yeah. job by Ben Hallett and staff to, to really put a focus on that and get it done.
5: So Mississippi State goes down 83-76, the final to Villanova. First loss of the year, so the Bulldogs are now 5-1. and one. They will play on Sunday. Do we know the opponent yet?
1: Uh, we don't know. We'll find out later today. It's either going to be Baylor or Coastal Carolina. Okay.
5: Uh, Coastal Carolina, obviously a, uh, a team that gives you a better chance to get a win. Baylor, good mm-hmm. basketball program. Baylor, though, would be the opportunity that you have to get a signature win, and uh, one that certainly will look good in the uh, the net rankings in the uh, at the end of the year. You think back to a season ago when Ole Miss played in the tournament in uh, in Destin, the uh, Emerald Coast Classic. It was maybe when, when you got to the very end of the season, the win against Baylor in November. May have been the difference in Ole Miss getting into the NCAA tournament and not getting into the NCAA tournament. They beat Baylor and lost to Cincinnati in that tournament early in the season. So maybe that same opportunity presents itself for Mississippi State on Sunday. One other SEC team played today, a little Sunshine State battle here in Charleston, South Carolina at the Charleston Classic. Florida, really good today, 78-58. Uh, they outscored Miami by 15 in the second half, 40-25. to And the difference today for Florida – In comparison to leading by 18 yesterday, having St. Joe's cut it all the way to two and then knocking out some free throws at the end, Kerry Blackshear was a factor today. Yesterday, two fouls in the first half and then a flagrant two with 18 and a half minutes to play, and Florida is a completely different team without him. If you don't recognize that name, I understand. Maybe you're not a college basketball junkie. He played at Virginia Tech the last couple of years, transferred to Florida, immediately eligible He is a senior, grad transfer, preseason SEC player of the year, and he was a beast today with 20 points and 11 rebounds. So Florida advances to the championship game of the Charleston Classic. They will play either UConn or Xavier on Sunday night. Other SEC teams in action later today, Mount St. Mary's is at Kentucky. That is not St. Mary's from the West Coast. That is Mount St. Mary's playing number 9 Kentucky. Gardner-Webb is at South Carolina. Gamecocks trying to bounce back after their loss to Boston earlier in the week. Utah State, ranked 15th in the country, is facing LSU in Jamaica tonight. Utah State off to a 5-0 start. LSU off to a 3-1 start. They dropped a game to VCU last week on the road in Richmond, so trying to get back to a, uh, a win. South Carolina State is at Vanderbilt, and South Dakota is at Arkansas. So those are the games that are happening today. And then a bunch of games tomorrow involving SEC teams as well, including Rippy, Ole Miss. I say a bunch. That's the only game involving an SEC team tomorrow. Ole Miss at Memphis, available only on ESPN3, Rebels 4-0, Memphis 4-1. James Wiseman not expected to play in the game tomorrow.
4: That is correct. Kind of the first measuring stick game for Ole Miss Uh, As the schedule stiffens up for these next four games, they go to the Barclays Center after that for a couple games in Brooklyn and then have a home game with Butler after that. So you'll learn a lot about this team over the course of the next four games.
5: So playing Memphis, then on Wednesday they will play Penn State in Brooklyn. Penn State off to a really good start. I think they're undefeated so far and scoring at a pretty high clip. Ole Miss will be the best defensive team that they have played so far. the Rebels win or lose that, they will play, well, obviously, regardless of the outcome, they will play either – syracuse or
4: oklahoma state i believe
5: oklahoma state oklahoma state better than they were a year ago uh some veteran guys on that oklahoma state team as well that program just got handed a notice of allegations today who did oklahoma state really mike boynton's team at oklahoma state so that's fun everybody likes to deal with a notice of allegations those seem to be going around a little bit these days
2: yeah, the uh, the head coach was not named in any of them apparently, but they uh, there's one level one allegation that you know they're going to fight whatever. It's all from the FBI probe. Gotcha.
5: Well, that was with a previous assistant coach, right?
4: Correct. Yeah, it was uh,
2: what was his name? Uh, Lamont something. I'm, I'm pulling this
5: up right now. Uh, Lamont Evans. Did didn't he leave? Oklahoma State and go to somewhere out west, right? Can't remember. Maybe I'm thinking about a different guy. Uh, But uh, obviously Oklahoma State will have to deal with that going forward. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we're going to chat with uh, Will East and Steven Gagliano as we get set for another night of playoff games in high school football in the state of Mississippi. And there are some good ones coming up tonight and really all the classifications, 6A, 5A, all the way down to 1A. We're getting deeper into the uh, playoffs and uh, some fun matchups to talk about with those guys coming up in uh, in just a few minutes. Again, C Spire text line is open. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. They've got Black Friday savings already going on at C Spire. Stop by your local C Spire store or check them out online at cspire.com for more information. Uh, High school football question here on the C Spire text line. Since expanding to the four teams from each district, advancing to the playoffs of all four teams, made it to the quarters, as is the case in Region 8 3A this year. We will ask that question to Will and Steven Gagliano coming up in just a couple of minutes. Whole lot more to get to this afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Another week of playoff football in the state of Mississippi. Some good games happening tonight north to south east to west all over the state doesn't matter if you're talking about 1a 6a or mais games we've got good stuff coming your way and here to talk about it will east and steven gagliano joining us right now if they were joining on the phone it would be on the farm bureau phone line but they are in studio by the way farm bureau check out favorites.com and go with the home team uh, will I will let you lead us off. Where should we start in talking about some of these fantastic matchups tonight? Uh,
0: Three hundred sixty degree uh, everywhere because that's okay. where they are. From top, put it on a put it on spin cycle. Yes, from top to bottom. Uh, this is this is the best night of games that we have. Uh, it's just they're everywhere. There's a there's a great game. Uh you know, I I've concentrated on, you know, 6A most of the season. Tonight 4A for some reason has maybe the best games out there pound for pound, Stephen. Uh I'll start with one that is just incredible. You got Corinth taking on Ittawamba. Corinth is a team that nobody has come within 30 points in the last 5 weeks of beating. Uh Corinth's a team that came within 3 points of beating 6As. Tupelo Golden Wave. Uh, Corinth is just absolutely dominated. And tonight, they get to play an undefeated team in Itawamba AHS, a team that has a guy by the name of Ike Chandler, Mr. Football in 4A, who's averaging something like 175 yards a game. He has 28 touchdowns on the season. And oh, by the way, nobody's come really within... I don't know, 20-something points of beating Itawamba AHS up until last week when they won 9-7. to They had the, the curveball game, the weird game. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting one. Then below that, you've got uh, Greenwood, the Bulldogs, taking on uh, Louisville, uh, Lewisville, defending 4A state champ. Greenwood might be the best team, stats-wise, there is out there right now. I mean... No team has come within 21 points of them all season long, and oh by the way, they haven't allowed a single point since October 10th.
6: We had somebody call in to the scoreboard show about halfway through the season and said Greenwood's not going to lose another game the rest of the way. Nobody's going to challenge us the rest of the way. And we kind of laughed at, you know, it was midway yeah. through the season, we had no idea what to expect. And all of a sudden, he turned out to be right. <laughs> They scored 50 points and shut out New Albany last week, and then Louisville scored 52 and shut out Pontotoc last week. So that game tonight between two teams that scored 50 points and shut out their opponents last week is going to be a lot of fun.
5: Guys, we got a question on the the SeaSpire text line right before the uh, the break, and I think you'll be able to make sense of this. Talking about I guess it was particularly at four A, going to four teams from each region getting in and talking about quarterfinal participants out of region eight. I think it is. Uh huh. So, are all four still alive in the quarters?
0: Is that right? I think so. In f- I have to look at the that the there's so many teams in four A, four A, three A, and two right, A have more teams. Okay,
5: this is actually three. I so say the question oh, yeah, was West yeah. Marion columbia jdc and mcgee all still alive and i guess the question he was asking with four from each district advancing to the playoffs have
0: four teams made it to the quarters as is the case in 8-3-a before i'm sure it's happened before just we've had some loaded regions before I'm yeah. s- I'm sure that I can't recall a time that it's happened, but I'm certain that it's happened before. But yeah, he's right. Columbia is. I was talking to Robert Bird, our manager down there, who also does uh, some refereeing on the side. He said. Right. He said Columbia is. They're like they're like NFL players walking in there. You know, six foot four, six foot five guys walking in. You think? Wait, this is a three A high school football team. Uh, I think up until like three weeks to go in the regular season, all they had three undefeated teams something like that it's crazy
6: yeah West Marion McGee in Columbia uh, at one point very late in the season were all undefeated and we said it at wow. the time that pound for pound they were probably the strongest region in any classification mm-hmm. and now you're seeing that tonight as they're all kind of playing each other in the playoffs you've got Jefferson Davis County playing West Marion and then McGee playing Columbia yep
5: Another question on the C Spire text line. Can we get a quick analysis on Calhoun City-Charleston and also the matchup between uh, West Point and Lafayette? West Point has had Lafayette's number in recent years, but Lafayette also has played West Point probably closer than anybody else has played them, certainly uh, this season and in
0: a uh, a playoff scenario. Lafayette, when they move they won the 4A state championship in 2016, and they moved up to 5A the next year. And they got the great luck of being put in the same region as West Point, and they have yet yep. to beat West Point. But each one of those games, outside of maybe the first season, each one of those games have been really close. Have been some of the best football that we've seen. In fact, I'm going to talk about this on the scoreboard preview show at 6 p.m. tonight, about that Lafayette-West Point series. That game is becoming the north part of the state's version of the Hattiesburg-Laurel game. Every single game is close. West Point has won all of them, yes. But I think uh, earlier this year, Lafayette lost 28-24. to Last year in the 5A playoff. And, and had
5: a late lead, yes. I think, Will, in that game.
0: Yes. Uh, the West Point broadcast team, in fact uh, – <laughs> they're the they're the funniest people you'll ever listen to uh, on a broadcast. <laughs> I go to supertalk.fm slash school and click on the West Point help it and listen to the game. But they have said this many times. They said, this is one of the best series that we've ever seen, and we've been covering high school football for nearly 30 years. Uh, it's really, really good, and Lafayette has been right there on the cusp of it. They just haven't been able to get past them yet, and it's all been close games. I would expect that tonight they're going to have another close one. That We're other probably going to
5: need to probably going to need to hold you guys over for another segment because I think we really need to talk in a little more detail about some of these games. We'll mention it. The scoreboard preview show comes your way right after Sports Talk Mississippi tonight at six o'clock. Uh, we'll give way to some of the uh, high school broadcasts across the state, and then the uh, the full wrap up on the Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Company scoreboard show from ten until eleven thirty. Let's go MAIS for a second, because we've got championship games in those classifications
6: this week, right? We do, and uh, there's one going on right now. I'll have to pull the score up for you. But uh, yesterday, we had the 1A and 4A championship games, and in 1A, Briarfield won that one 60-36 over Prairie View. Those are two teams... From Louisiana. I'm still not okay. 100% certain on how that works or why that's a thing, but apparently it is. Uh, and then in 4A, Riverfield Academy, another Louisiana team <laughs> won that one 29 to 21 over Tri County Academy. So, so far, two Louisiana champions in Mississippi. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> So
5: the other – well, and let's throw another curveball. Manchester Academy against Marvell Academy out of Arkansas, part of the MAIS.
6: (laughs) Right, so we have got three teams – or three states, I guess, fighting for this state title. Makes a lot of sense. You've got St. Joe Greenville against
5: Indianola Academy and then uh, Jackson Prep MRA coming up. Uh, I guess that one's
6: later tonight, right? That one is actually tomorrow. Uh, Jackson Prep and MRA is the only one on Saturday. But that, of course, you know, one of the biggest rivalries in the state. MRA able to win the regular season matchup between these two teams, 34-22. to 22. So, not many teams beat Jackson Prep twice in a season, though. So, we'll, we'll have to see how that one shakes out tomorrow night.
5: And then I left out Heritage Academy, Starkville Academy. That's the, uh, the other MAIS game that we've got a championship to decide. Yes, and that one is
6: tonight at 7 o'clock, I believe.
5: All right, talk to me about South Panola at Oxford. These two teams did not meet in the regular season. Oxford lost to Starkville in week two of the season. They have not lost since, and South Panola
0: going through a little bit of a renaissance with its football program. Both of them kinda of are. I mean, they're both trying to reclaim past glories. I mean South Panola looks like the South Panola teams of old. I mean, they really do. They've got that you know really good running game and they've got a a, a pretty good defense. Uh and then Oxford, meanwhile, very balanced attack. They've got J.J. Pegues, who's like a tank on the battlefield out there. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be a really good game. And they, they played the past couple of seasons, so the kids have some familiarity with each other. So I would expect that to come into play. But Coach Ricky Woods has got South Panola back on track. Uh, you know, This is impressive what he's done so far, but he's not satisfied. He wants a state championship.
5: And I think you mentioned Oxford being balanced on both sides of the ball. Oxford's defense has not given up at least their, their, their first string group, they may have given up a late score last week but had not given up more than 14 points in a game since like the second or third week of the year.
0: They, they've they done really well and uh, I, I think J.J. Piggies has, you know, when he got hurt that team, their offense kind of took a little bit of a dip and the, the defense was what held them together. Uh, and now that he's back 100% healthy from what we understand, uh, I think Oxford is a very dangerous team. I don't know if they can win tonight uh, but I'm going to tell you what, Oxford is, with the way Region 1 is set up right now, I think we're going to start seeing several seasons of Oxford dominating.
5: Um, you, you guys got time to hang yeah. so we can talk about a few more of these games?
0: We do. Yeah, let's do it.
5: Very good. Will East, Stephen Gagliano, bunch of games still to get to. You had a question earlier about um, Calhoun City's game tonight against Charleston. We'll get to that when we come back we we'll look at some of what's happening in the south part of the state in uh, several different classifications. More coming up with you. Big night for high school football in the state of Mississippi. We'll take a quick time out back after this in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. C Spire text line is open. If you've got a question about a high school football matchup tonight, we've got our experts in the house, Will East and Stephen Gagliano. High school preview show, the scoreboard preview show coming up Uh, After we wrap things up here on Sports Talk Mississippi, that's at 6 o'clock tonight. We'll carry you into your local high school football broadcasts, and then from 10 until 1130, the Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Company's scoreboard show, hosted by Stephen Gagliano, the whole crew. And they'll be able to dive a little bit deeper into some of the results as they take calls from uh, folks that were at games and broadcast games all across the state. So let's go back and answer that question. Uh, We wanted uh, a a little analysis on Calhoun City and Charleston tonight, two uh, programs that have been really good for a really long time.
6: Yeah, and Calhoun City's defense, you know, we've talked about defense for a couple teams tonight. They've actually got three shutouts on the season. They've held opponents to under 10 points. I think seven or eight different times. And they're going up against a Charleston offense that put up 52 points in the first round of the playoffs. So, you know, it's kind of good on good, and something's got to give in this one. But, uh, yeah, Calhoun City's defense, I think, will be the strongest unit in this game tonight. Guys, we talked about the Oxford-South Panola
5: matchup. You had the upset last week with Olive Branch beating Madison Central. And so, Starkville and Olive Branch, Pedal and Brandon, Gulfport and Oak Grove. Those are the other three games happening tonight in 6A
0: yeah Starkville Olive Branch this is going to be a really physical game you know uh, the fact that that Olive Branch beat Madison Central the way they did uh, Olive Branch is a really good team they were in 5A last year they got moved up to 6A this year they had been a 6A school years before and they got dropped down Um, they're a really really tough determined team Starkville meanwhile I I think they're probably the favorite in 6A still Uh, they're chugging along as as well as anybody right now. I think they've scored something like 40-plus points in uh, the last four games. I can't remember the exact number, but they have just been doing so well uh, as of late. Uh, Startville's Luke Altmaier, he's one of those guys where struggled early in the season, threw some interceptions, got benched at one point, and then got his act straight. And since then, I think they're the second best offense in 6A right now. Starkville is just a really difficult team to beat, especially when they're at home. And then the the thing that the kind of recurring theme tonight is rematches. We got lots of rematches. Lots of them. Uh in the South Bracket, both of those games are rematches. You've got Pedal uh taking on Brandon. I think that game's at pedal. Uh Yes. That game lasts. uh I think they they played kind of in the middle of the season. I think maybe it was the second game of the the regional schedule, and pedal won on a last-second field goal. It's very difficult to beat teams twice. you hear us say this a million times tonight, but it's true. It's very difficult to beat teams twice, and especially when you squeaked by that team the first time. Pedal is one of those teams. They don't do anything great. They're not terrible at anything. They are just a really good, balanced football team. It's kind of hard to describe. They don't do – there's nothing that just jumps out at you about pedal, but they win. They figure out a way to win. Uh, Brandon, meanwhile, they kind of go as Will Rogers goes. If he kind of struggles in a game like he did in that game against Petal uh, in the middle of the season – they're going to struggle. That's just the way that it's gone this season. Now, right now, Will Rogers is on fire. He had, I think, four touchdown passes last week on just 20 passes. So he is on fire right now. So uh, I think this is going to be a really fun game. And then uh, the final one in that uh, 6A bracket is Oak Grove taking on Gulfport. Another rematch. Mm. Now, Oak Grove won this game, I think, 31-10 to or something like that. At the It was like the third week of the season. Uh Oak Grove is a team that, that's really found themselves the past couple of weeks. They're scoring a lot of points. They're doing really well on defense. And that game early in the season when they beat Gulfport, they held Gulfport to like 40-something rushing yards. Gulfport's got to move the ball. Uh, Gold, uh, Oak Grove is going to put up points. You, you know that's going to happen because they've done it on just about everybody this season. So Gulfport is going to have to move the ball. If they can't move the ball at all, uh, there's no hope for, uh, for the Admirals.
5: Steven, a game to focus on in 5A in the South. Uh, I think it
6: uh, is okay to call this a rivalry game. West Jones and Wayne County? <laughs> Absolutely. And, yeah, like Will said, more rematches. Uh, West Jones won the regular season matchup 31-10, but they've never beaten Wayne County twice in a season. So tonight they're going to try to do that ah. to, to book their spot in the, uh, the North uh, State title game.
5: Philadelphia is an interesting team. They've been really good offensively uh, this year, and I guess what we're looking at, 3A, is that right? 2A. For Philadelphia? 2A, sorry. So that that 2A bracket, Philadelphia, kind of a dangerous team, and tell me a little bit more about their matchup tonight.
0: This is the – to me, the best game in 2A. Philadelphia and Taylorsville, right? Yeah, Philadelphia and Taylorsville. This is the best game in 2A tonight. Uh, you know, Philadelphia, got Marcus Dupree's grandson playing for him, actually. He was telling me that the other day here in the hallway. Uh, you know, they're, they're a team that that they've been there before, they're experienced. I think they they dropped down from 3A, I think, last year, or maybe the year before. I, I think they've got the team to do it. Taylorsville is, is the team, though, that that everybody has pegged since the beginning of the year to win the 2A state title game. Uh, With Tyke's quarterback, you just kind of think that they have every advantage. I think the only game they've lost this season, uh, Stephen, is uh, the one against Jackson Prep. Correct. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, I think Ty Keys is the difference in this one. Uh, If you haven't heard of Ty Keys, he is the next superstar quarterback. Now, Taylorsville is a smaller school, so he's not at one of these big 6A schools, but he is the next superstar quarterback. I think he's a junior this year. Uh, I expect a lot of teams to be recruiting him uh, if they're not already. And something to look out for with
6: the result of that one. If Taylorsville is able to beat Philadelphia tonight and Scott Central is able to beat Enterprise Clark, that sets up a rematch of last year's 2A state title game in the semifinals, and you mentioned how good Ty Keyes is. He was hurt in last year's state title game and didn't play. Scott Central able to win the state title, so I'm sure Taylorsville would love another crack at Scott Central with their starting quarterback this time.
5: A lot of big football involving the teams from that Choctaw County Neshoba County area with Neshoba Central in the playoffs. We just talked about Philadelphia, and Choctaw County – Trying to keep it rolling against Amanda Elsey tonight. That's in uh, in the 3A bracket, uh, and that game is at Amanda Elsey. Choctaw County beat Water Valley last week, who was the uh, the reigning state champ, and that was after beating Ruleville Central in the uh, the first round. Amanda Elsey has wins over Hatley and Independence uh,
0: really close, just a one-point win last week against Independence. Yeah, and the winner gets to play Houston in Knoxby County. How about that? How about that for Congratulations? For, yeah, thank you. You won. Uh three uh, A three A to me is it's a free-for-all every year. You never can predict what's going to happen in three A. It's almost impossible to say, hey, I think this team's gonna win because that team never wins. It's always somebody that you didn't expect. That's that's three A to me. Uh Choctaw County's been kind of consistent the past couple of seasons. And then you look at the the winner of the the game between that the winner of that game will have to play Knoxby County in Houston. Knoxby County is a team that's new to 3A. They were a 4A team last year and Houston has been that consistent one. That's going to be a really interesting bracket there in the 3A north part. And then in the yeah. south, you've got uh, McGee and Columbia and then you've got that West Mary and Jefferson Davis County game that we talked about earlier. 3A is a free-for-all brawl every single year. Well, and will, you mentioned that Houston
5: Knoxby County game Noxubee County has given up a grand total of zero points in the playoffs. They beat Kahoma AG 53 to nothing. They beat Senatobia 21 to nothing last week. And then you look at Houston. So you know the defense is there. Houston won eight to six last week against North Panola. Is anybody going to score
0: in this game? I don't. It might have one of those three to two games. I'd would like that. You know, we got. It's crazy this year. You've got teams that are scoring sixty something points in, in the larger classifications. The smaller classifications, where usually you have the big scores, they're all playing defense this year. They've swapped positions. Hey, Will. Well, it's certainly going to be a lot of fun.
5: Just so he doesn't get his feelings hurt, would you guys say something nice about St. Al? For hey Dad before we finish. Well, they out. Of,
1: I was just going to say, Will, those three to two games are highly overrated. You really don't want to sit through those.
6: <laughs> A great season. Been there, done that. Anyway. Right?
0: Oh my god! I remember Never that night. Oh, Hashtag. that was legendary. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Guys, thanks
5: so much for uh, sticking around a little bit longer. It's going to be a great night preview show, uh, the scoreboard preview show, right after we finish up on Sports Talk Mississippi, and then the full wrap-up. I'll be listening online at supertalk.fm for my hotel room in Charleston, South Carolina. It's going to be fun tonight. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks. We've got a lot more coming up with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, including a conversation with New Ole Miss Athletics Director Keith Carter. He will join us to start the 5 o'clock hour tonight. We've got our picks coming up. The Pearl River Resort College football picks. Uh, Thankfully, Borky, you branched outside the SEC a little bit this week.
2: Yeah, forget that. I I was not going to subject us to that misery. I even asked Bruce uh, about handicapping Western Carolina and Alabama, and basically he was like, "Eh, I don't really touch it.
5: Understandable. Did, Did Bruce talk about Arkansas LSU? No, I skipped it. I shouldn't have, but I skipped it. What What were the games that Bruce liked?
2: We uh, He likes Penn State to cover, but Ohio State to win. He likes Georgia to cover, but it, for it to be very close, and said wrong team was favored in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, thinks Tennessee gets to bowl eligibility tomorrow.
5: That's interesting because Lee Sterling said the exact same thing yesterday. He had Penn State covering against Ohio State. He also had Tennessee covering and winning outright against uh, against Missouri. They're uh, a little uh, opposite opinions, though, on that Texas A&M-Georgia game. So we'll get into that coming up a little bit later. Also, an interesting development out of Tuscaloosa. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa's younger brother, Talia, they're going to play him tomorrow, and he is not going to redshirt. So we'll see what that means for Alabama over the final couple of weeks of the regular season sports talk mississippi will wrap up the four o'clock hour with you next in the renaissance bank studio renaissance bank understanding you you know we've got coaching carousel season just around the corner but the thing that precedes coaching carousel season is vote of confidence season we got another one today story from al.com Here's the lead. Amid some of the struggles Auburn has endured this season, an all-time inconsistent offense and three hard-to-swallow losses against top-tier opponents, Auburn Athletics Director Alan Green insisted Friday morning that he feels good about the future of the Tigers program. Here was his quote to AL.com. We've had one of the toughest schedules in the country. We've been competitive in every one of those games. Our focus right now is on Samford, on Alabama, the Iron Bowl, and recruiting. Our whole focus right now is finishing out the season on a strong note and then focusing on reloading for next year. I love our coaching staff. I love our players. The more chance I get to spend with them, you start to realize what great Auburn men they are, and they represent the university in a first-class manner, and they compete no matter what the scoreboard says. We've been grading some of these statements. South Carolina's series of statements have been disastrous. We thought... Uh, The one that Missouri put out was pretty strong. The one that uh, Vanderbilt put out was pretty well done. This just feels like fluff at Auburn.
2: Isn't this This the vote of confidence that everybody's afraid of? Not that Gus is in trouble, but that has no substance behind it.
1: Well, this is the most difficult one. Because you are going, if you if you make a move from Malzahn, if you, you let him go, you are letting go a coach who has won every year he's been there. Hasn't won up maybe the standards that you, you you'd like to have, but he's won, been to bowl games, won the SEC West twice, won the SEC once. So I, I'm not, you know, I, you guys know that I'm not the biggest Malzahn fan in the world. I think he just sort of is what he is, which is a four to five loss coach, but. This is the one where you have to tread lightly because people are going to look at you and say, okay, who are you bringing in to upgrade because you you better have a big name ready.
5: Interestingly enough, it was this week a year ago, early in the week, when Gus Malzahn came out and openly started talking about the 2019 season. That was with two games to go. So you remember they were playing Liberty and then Alabama and... Either Monday or Tuesday, Gus just went all in on the following season. And now we fast-forward a year, and yes, Auburn has a true freshman quarterback. Yes, Booby Whitlow has had an injury, but they have an absolutely dominating defense. And in the three biggest measuring stick games of the year, in a zero-sum game, they've come up, they they finished second place. In sounds, all three of those games,
1: sounds very familiar. I don't know why.
5: <laughs> yeah, it's almost like we've been there, done that with Auburn before, right?
1: Well, I mean, I did it with Mississippi State last year. Yeah, dominant defense. Is Auburn going to beat it,
5: Alabama at home next week?
1: I don't think so. Yep. Oh, I don't. I don't think so.
5: Rippy, you've been riding the Auburn train all year maybe a, le- a little less enthusiastically as of late. they going to upset Alabama at home next week?
4: Maybe. I think it'll be close.
5: <laughs> well, you're going out on that limb, aren't you?
4: Yeah. Huge limb. And
5: obviously the tenor of the game takes on such a different feel with Tua Tonga-Bailoa not playing. Told you we'll get to the, the story in the 5 o'clock hour where Alabama has said that they are going to play Talia Tongavaloa, the younger brother of Tua. Maybe they're just trying to kind of recapture some Tongavaloa magic, but that'll be interesting to see. I, I think more than anything, they want to get him some experience in the event that something happens to Mac Jones. And that's probably a good decision, I guess. I,
2: I wonder if Mac Jones is struggling in the Iron Bowl they're not doing this to throw him in there as a, not a Hail Mary, but as a second option. Not just, because the quotes are all, yeah, you know, we need a backup. I mean, what, what if something happens to Mac Jones? They're talking injury. I'm talking one if he struggles. Because they still have a realistic chance of getting back into the playoff. But they, they have to beat Auburn. And if Mac Jones is struggling and not beating Auburn, don't you just put the kid in there to to see? I mean, that's kind of how Tua got the
5: job. Certainly an option. And I don't know that we've seen enough of the younger Tonga Vailoa to know if we're talking about a similar skill set. I mean, everybody just kind of assumes because you've got the same last name that you get the same results. I think that's an awfully big assumption to make. We'll have to kind of wait and see. In the 5 o'clock hour, our Pearl River Resort college football picks coming your way. That will be the college football fix. But when we come back, we'll visit with new Ole Miss Athletics Director Keith Carter, who I'm sure would say that his appearance on Sports Talk Mississippi is the most exciting part of his Friday. Maybe not. Thanks for being with us on this Friday. 5 o'clock hours next. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank understanding you. Five o'clock hour, Friday afternoon with you. Glad to have you along. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borke, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Shows brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Joining us right now on the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Keith Carter, named earlier today officially as Athletics Director at Ole Miss. He's been carrying the interim tag for the last few months since uh, late May, early June, and is now officially the AD. Got to get new business cards now, Keith. Is that right? No question. Yeah, that's a, that's the first thing we got to get done. But, uh, no,
7: it's been a great day, Richard. I appreciate you having me on the phone.
5: Well, congratulations to you and to your family. I know this is something that, that you've not been shy about telling Uh, people that have asked you not not that you've necessarily campaigned for the job but not been shy about telling people that this is something that you wanted so one why did you want the job and two why were you the right choice for the job well you know richard i think you know having the opportunity to become the interim athletics director
7: you know back in, in early june was just such a valuable. You know, thing for me, and and I think what it did, you know, the first thing it did is it it allowed me to to really solidify that, you know, I wanted to be an AD. You know, I talked about it for for all these years, and um, you know, I, I thought that was the track that I wanted to end up, and you know, where I wanted to end up. But you know, getting the opportunity to become the interim athletics director, you know, it, it allowed me to make some 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 decisions. It allowed me to sit in the chair, and, and that's the thing you hear from so many sitting ADs is you really don't understand the job until you sit in the chair and, and i certainly learned that along the way but you know getting the opportunity to to become interim uh interacting every day with our coaches and our students and our staff you know for me it was just such a great experience and, and again solidified that you know i really wanted to do this and i wanted to do it at ole miss and and like you said you know i, I was vocal at times but if people asked me that you know absolutely i want to become the, the permanent ad at ole miss and you know i felt like i could i could do a good job and and felt like I could help lead our department into the future. So really look forward to this opportunity. And, you know, I really am excited about you know working with our coaches and our staff and and supporting our students. But uh, it's going to be a really fun ride for sure.
5: You said just a second ago that sitting in the chair, you had the opportunity to make some decisions to, to kind of slide into that leadership role. How much were you hamstrung, though? Because the interim tag was there. And when you're is uh, not the right word, that that's not fair. But when you are not the permanent guy, my guess is there's there's some limitation to what you're able to do. So So what changes now in your mind going from the role of interim to permanent?
7: Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And I, I think that's really what I what I you know, tried to balance really the whole time I was in the interim role is is staying aggressive, being proactive, trying to be creative in some of the things that we were doing. You know, but at the same time, you're not putting a vision or, or some type of plan in place that would you know potentially hamstring somebody down the line if it wasn't me. You know I wanted to be respectful of that and, and certainly care enough about the institution and our department to to not do anything like that. So you know I felt like we did some things that were aggressive and, and we tried to you know make some change and, and, and do some things when we could. But now I think you know being the permanent athletics director having a, you know a chancellor that's that's more permanent in nature, you know, we're able to, to make decisions that affect, you know, not only the, the, the current time frame, but, but future years. You know, if we want to put in a five-year, you know, strategic plan, we can do that. And so, you know, I think those are the things that we're going to start looking at from a facility standpoint, from a fundraising standpoint, you know, as, as we try to, you know, continue to build our athletic department. Now we have an option to, you know, really push those those ideas on out into the future.
5: Keith, I want to be fair in asking this question, but I I do think it's an important question to ask. So uh, you you don't get this job and go through the interview process if you're not able to lay out a pretty clear vision and a pretty clear plan for the future. So I know two-part questions are bad. That, That would be kind of the first part. What is that plan? What is that vision going forward? But I think the second part of the question, and I know you know that this matters. O- Ole Miss has gone through a time where there's uh, some discontent, uh, maybe a fractured fan base, and people that are going to look and say, oh, wow, Ole Miss just hired another guy that already worked at the school. So, so how do you kind of balance those two things?
7: Well, I think I think first and foremost, you know, I, I think that most people that know me, they, they understand that I'm a very transparent person. I'm a very visible person. I'm going to be out in front of people. And I said today at the press conference, you know, we've got to win some people back, you know, very candidly. We've got to win them back one at a time, ten at a time, a hundred at a time. And so I think we've got to be intentional about that process. We've got to be out in front of people and uh, and showing them that we care and that that we're listening. And so I'm going to be very, very visible and, and, again, very intentional about that process. But, you know, when you talk about vision for Ole Miss athletics, you know, I think for us, um, you know we, we need to make sure and, and our, our our hope and, and you know, the things that we need to expect is for our our teams to finish in the top half of our league consistently. You know we need to finish in in the top half of the SEC, and in given years, we need to win championships you know we 've done that in men 's cross country we 've done that in, in women 's golf, um, but that should be the goal and, and the vision for all of our programs is that you know, we want to be very consistent we want to be in, in the top half of our league consistently. And then, you know, given years when we cycle up and, and, and have great teams, we want to win championships. And I think that is something that we can do. You know, and obviously in the SEC, if you can win an SEC championship, you can win a national championship. So, you know, I'm going to go tomorrow morning to Terre Haute, Indiana, and, and see if our cross-country teams can win a national championship. And that's what we're going to strive for. So um, the vision is to be successful. We, we certainly want to win. that you know, But we want to make sure that our students are, are getting a great education, a quality experience when they're at Ole Miss. And then when they leave Ole Miss, you know, the ones that can't play professional sports, that they're prepared you know, for the real world. So we're going to center it around student-athletes. We're going to compete like heck to, to win championships. But we're going to make sure that, that everyone you know, is getting a quality experience along the way. A
5: few more minutes with Keith Carter, named athletics director at Ole Miss earlier today. Uh, you've already mentioned uh, your support for Matt Luke and the direction of the football program. Obviously, that's important for Matt Luke to have the support of his boss now. But the other side of that is when you look at attendance this year. Look, look at season ticket numbers. You and I have talked about this before. The, those numbers are down. So you mentioned winning people back. How do you do that without making changes? Well, again, I think we've got to get out in front of people. We've
7: got to get Coach Luke out in front of people. We've got to talk about you know these these young men on our team that are that are freshmen that are just you know tearing things up on the field. Uh, and, and really talk about the future there. Um but certainly we we've got to figure out, you know, ways to win games. And I think that's something that, that Matt and I have talked about. We'll continue to talk about and you know, what can he do in this off season, you know, to help us get over the hump in some of these close games. We've been right there. We've been so competitive and we're playing with a lot of young guys. You know, I think a lot of the thing that that, that people you know, I think they know this, but for some reason they just don't want to think about it. This program has been through so much over the last five years, and to have two years of bowl ban and probation and scholarship reductions, you know, it's not an overnight process to just turn this thing around. And so we have to give Coach Luke some some time, but but certainly we've got to talk about ways to improve. And so I think that's all part of the process. You know, I think for us, you know, from a marketing standpoint and, and again, being visible and, and out in front of people, you know, we got to assess the landscape of college athletics in general. You know, we we know that attendance is is kind of trending down uh, nationally, but we also know that we have some some unique things about Ole Miss that are that are hurting us as well. So we have got to find that balance, and again, we we got to find the right talking points, and and certainly, you know, the the right pressure points to to take this program to the next level.
5: Keith, one of the things that we've talked about the last uh, few weeks, and and really maybe even few months there's conversation about the future of the CBS contract and whether that not that changes in the next few months or it's a few years from now that deal's going to change and when it does there's going to be a significant increase in revenue probably somewhere in the 12 to 15 million dollars per year range depending on what the contract ends up being so knowing that that money is going to come down the line what does an additional $15 million a year, if that turns out to be the number, mean for Ole Miss Athletics, and where will you invest that to help the program grow? Well, you know, I
7: think, you know, certainly can't confirm or deny any of that. I mean, there's been some some discussions with the ADs, but, you know, numbers really haven't been a, a huge part of those discussions. But, but certainly we know there's probably more revenue on the table at some point. And, and I think for us here at Ole Miss, you know, we have, you know, we have a very unique circumstance. You know, we, we lost $16 million in, in the two years that we did not go to a bowl. And so we will get half of that back in 2022. But you know, I think one of the main things for us is we would love to to replenish our reserves. You know, I think we did a, a really good job of building those reserves uh, and, and saving some of that for a rainy day. Obviously, it rained, and we had to use some of it. So I think for us, you know, replenishing reserves is is great. You know, certainly... Um, you know, doing some things with our facilities, uh, you know, most of our facilities, really all of our facilities have been built through our Four Together campaign uh, on the foundation side, so could we use some of the depart- new department revenue here you know, to help us, you know, upgrade facilities, do some things in softball and in some different places there, but when you talk about an infusion of, of you know, of money uh, of that magnitude potentially, you know, it's going to make a huge difference, but I do think that there is still a little bit of, you know, kind of digging out of this hole that, that we've kind of been in the last couple of years financially.
5: Really appreciate your time this afternoon. I hope we can uh, can visit again maybe a little longer and in a little more detail soon. Congratulations. No, know this is a, a big day for you, big day for your family, and uh, really happy for you.
7: Thank you, Richard. Anytime. Love, love being with you guys.
5: That's Keith Carter, now the Athletics Director at Ole Miss. No interim tag anymore. Appreciate him joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Appreciate his candor there. We'll take a quick timeout. Come back with our Pearl River Resort college football picks in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Pearl River I'm Resort college football picks brought to you by the sportsbook at Timeout Lounge at the Golden Moon Casino in Philadelphia. We will be at the Golden Moon at the sportsbook at Timeout Lounge on Monday for Sports Talk Mississippi. Looking forward to that. But right now it's time to make some picks. And uh, Borky has branched out beyond the SEC this week with the um, games that we're going to look at. College football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Black Friday savings going on at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Find great deals on end-of-the-year 2019 models. Start online at buyfordnow.com and then visit your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Texas A&M is at Georgia. These two teams meeting for the very first time since A&M has joined the SEC. Georgia is a 13-point favorite at home. I like Georgia. What do you guys think? Rippy, who you got? Georgia or A&M? Georgia. Hey, Dad, Georgia or A&M?
1: Hard to believe A&M's given up this many points. I mean, they're a decent football team, but I'm going to take Georgia.
5: Okay. Borky, you going to be the Lone Ranger here? I'll go with the handicappers. And they said they split, didn't they? Well, I'll go with Bruce. Bruce went with A&M, <laughs> so I'll take Bruce. I thought you told me that Bruce went with
2: Georgia. Uh-uh. Oh. He went okay. with Georgia to win, but not to cover.
5: Okay. Uh, that's the same thing that Lee Sterling did yesterday. LSU, massive number, forty-two and a half point favorite at home against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Rippy, who you got?
4: I guess LSU. I don't really know. I mean... That's a lot of points. What do you do with this?
5: Yeah, I don't know. Hey, Dad, LSU or Arkansas getting seven touchdowns.
1: If there was a rule that you had to play your starters the whole game, I would be willing to take like 70 points in this game. That said, even with the backups, I'll take LSU. Forky? Yeah, I
2: guess so. And th- there's probably uh, extra motivation to prove that they're not that bad defensively. So like a fifty two to nothing shutout's
5: entirely possible? Yeah, but a fifty two to ten doesn't cover. Yeah. I'm going LSU too. I just uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean
1: they're bad. you wouldn't be it's, shocked
5: it's okay. you wouldn't be shocked to see sixty to seven, would you? No. Not at all. Tennessee is at Missouri. Missouri is a four-point favorite. Hey, Dad, you're up first.
1: The wrong team is favored here. Tennessee is going to win this one outright.
5: Okay. Borky? i to go with Missouri, actually.
2: They, they were weird with Florida last week, and I think Tennessee will take a win over Vanderbilt to get to a bowl game. Uh,
5: Rippy, what do you think?
4: I don't understand Missouri, so I guess Tennessee.
5: Yeah, it, it's like with hesitation that I take Tennessee here. Uh, Missouri has only one loss at home all season. That was uh, last week to uh, to Florida. Let's go to the Big Ten. Penn State plus eighteen and a half at Ohio State. Uh, I'll lead us off here, and I will take Ohio State. I know a lot of people taking those points. Ohio State has just been too good, and they are at home. Rippy. Penn State. Hey, Dad.
1: I'm with you, Richard. I'm, I'm going to take the Buckeyes here. I don't think Penn State's all that great. Borky? Yeah,
2: Ohio State's been a cover machine. I mean, if you've been on Ohio State every game this year to cover the spread, you are a very, very, very wealthy person. They are 10-0, and they have not covered two spreads, one of which was Florida Atlantic. So, uh,
5: yeah, I'll take Ohio State. Michigan, minus 9.5 at Indiana. Rippy, you're up first on this one.
4: Um, I guess go with noted Hugh Freeze disciple Tom Allen.
5: Okay. Indiana. And,
4: no pun in
5: Indiana against Penn State last week covered. Yeah. On the road, I, too. I, I see. see what you did there. Hey, Dad, yeah. Indiana or Michigan?
1: I mean, it's not like there's not a Hugh Freeze disciple at Michigan. Shea Patterson is there. Uh, but I will go with Indiana. Uh, I, I think they could actually win this game. I, I won't be totally surprised, but I think they'll definitely cover the nine and a half.
2: Borky, Indiana, or Michigan? Michigan. They're on a tear lately. I mean, scoring points, blowing people out, uh, I'll I'll go with Michigan. They're kind of on a mission, on a collision course for the Ohio State game next week.
5: Yeah. I think Michigan will continue to win games that don't matter, and then next week when they play Ohio State, they will lose. I will take Michigan eh, 10, 17-point win, something like that, in uh, in this game. Baylor trying not to lose two in a row. The heartbreaker at Oklahoma a week ago. Texas is not back. Baylor a five-and-a-half point favorite at home on the banks of the Brazos against the Texas Longhorns. Hey, Dad.
1: This would be five losses for Texas, right, if they lose?
2: Yep, they're back, buddy. They so won is, an is inconsequential Herman, bowl game, and suddenly they're back.
1: Is Herman coaching for his job next year? I think oh, so. Oh, Stop. Stop. I think so. It's Texas. So that said, they I will take him. up. Well, I mean, do they love losing five games? I will take Baylor uh, in the points here, or give the points.
5: Giving the points. Okay, Borky. You don't
2: recover from being in the hunt for a national championship, having a 28-3 to lead, blowing that, and then being overmatched athletically
5: the next week. I'll take Texas. So, are we saying the Falcons would have won if they had had to play one more game after the Super Bowl? They
1: they, they might have had one more. They might have had a chance. <laughs>
5: they they or or would they have lost that game? Uh, they as would have well. lost right, that so game Borky, too. Borky's got Texas. Uh, Borky, I feel like we are agreeing a lot. Uh, Not I'm good for you. Go, yeah, I'm going to go Texas. This is feels like there's pressure after going six and zero last week. Rippy, Texas or Baylor?
6: Baylor.
1: That's my friend right there.
5: All right. Uh Pac-12 Country. Oregon 14 point favorite at Arizona State. 7 and 0 in the Pac-12. Uh I'm taking Oregon despite uh Baylor's defense or uh, Arizona State's defense being pretty good. I like this Oregon team a lot. Rippy Oregon or Arizona State 14. Think I'll go Oregon. Ad a boy we got Utah coming up next to uh, get to as well. Uh, When did they play the
4: Phonetics Bowl?
5: Yeah, um, uh, that would be the Pac-12 championship game, the Phonetics Bowl. Uh, Let's see. Hey, Dad, you got Oregon minus the 14 or Arizona State getting the points at home?
1: I'm going to consider Arizona State, as everybody should, and uh, say that they lose, but a very close, ugly football game. They'll muddy it up. Okay. Uh, Borky?
2: 3-6-1 and one against the spread is Arizona State. Oregon, basically the exact opposite. I think, especially now, they have to do some eye test passing, even though it's not right, but they feel like they have to. So they'll be focused, ready to play, and run up the score if
5: possible. Utah, 22-1 at Arizona. Things not going particularly well for Kevin Sumlin's Arizona Wildcats. Uh, Whose turn is it? Borky, you go first. Same thing with Utah. Uh, Two
2: Pac-12 teams with something to prove against two bad Arizona teams they're better than. I'll take the points even.
5: I will lay these happily. Utah, something like 45-10, to not even close. Utah's pretty good, and they are playing confident right now. Uh, and, And guess what? Kevin Sumlin's got a team that's not terribly physical, that's not terribly nasty, and you know what Utah is? Physical and nasty. Rippy, Utah or Arizona?
4: I think Utah. (laughs) (laughs)
5: Last one, hey, Dad. You lay in the 22-and-a-half or you taking Kevin Sumlin and the fighting Wildcats.
1: I think we learned enough from his years here in the SEC to never take Kevin Sumlin in the month of November. So, yes, give me the Utes.
5: They remember what you do in November. It was not a great Houston nut impression. Those are your picks. Close enough. Those are your Pearl River Resort College football picks. Three games involving SEC teams, two from the Big Ten, one from the Big 12, and two from the Pac-12.